I want to start out today by saying if you struggle with self-esteem, this is your sermon, okay? So uh, a while back, I found something that will instill you with self-confidence like nothing else. And it actually is called a Kanye Fidence website. And it was a website where someone went and put together all the quotes that Kanye said about himself uh, and uh, put it in a website and you could press the button. It will keep bringing up all of the different things he said about himself because nobody loves Kanye like Kanye. And so I love these. Let me just read a few. Here's some of my favorites. When I think of competition, I like to create against the past. I think about Michelangelo and Picasso, you know, the pyramids. For me to say I wasn't a genius, I would just be lying to you and myself. Everything I'm not may be everything I am. In my humble opinion, that's a prophetic statement. Gandhi would have said something like that. I am a Warhol. I am the number one most impactful artist of our generation. I am Shakespeare in the flesh, Walt Disney, Nike, Google. Come on now. How could you be me and want to be someone else? The Bible had 20, 30, 40, 50 characters in it. You don't think that I would be one of the characters of today's modern Bible? I love this one. This is not an album of the year. This is an album of the life. And my favorite, here it is. My greatest pain in life is I will never be able to see myself perform live. Okay, one more. When someone comes up to me and says something like, I'm a God. When they tell me I'm a God, Kanye is saying this. Uh, everybody says, who does he think he is? I just told you who I thought I was. A God. I just told you, that's who I think I am. Now, psychologists have a name for people who talk this way. Uh, the, the book that they use, the Comprehensive Guide called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. It's short, it's called the DSM. Uh, this is the book that lists all the mental disorders that people have. And when people start talking about um, having this fixed false belief that they possess superior qualities such as genius, power, influence, fame, omnipotence, and wealth. The DSM calls this the delusional disorder. A delusion is a belief that is held with strong conviction despite evidence disproving it. Sometimes a delusional disorder is found among people who are schizophrenic, but it's also found among ordinary, everyday people that think that they're, what they're doing is going to be great. It's going to be huge. It's going to be the best we've ever seen. Do you know anybody like that in our culture? Do you know anybody like that that's in your family or in your neighborhood? That they are more important, more special, more privy to unique insight into how the world works than the rest of us. Whenever we encounter someone like this, we know that he or she is not well. Now, in the late 50s, there was a psychologist named Milton Rokiak, and Rokiak was gripped by an eccentric plan. He took three psychiatric patients, each with the delusion 
that they were Jesus Christ, three patients that believed they're Jesus Christ, and arranged for these three patients to be shipped and roomed at the Ypsilanti State Mental Hospital. Back in the 50s then, he thought that if he could bring together these three people who actually believed that they were God, that actually it would be very therapeutic for them because they would talk to each other and realize not one more than one of us can actually be God. Now, Rokiak was so fascinated that he later wrote a book called The Three Christ of Ypsilanti. And Rokiak said their first meetings together in therapy did not go well. You ought to worship me, I tell you, one of the Christs yelled. I will not worship you. You're a creature. You better live your own life and wake up to the facts. And others snapped back. No two men are Jesus Christ. I am the good Lord, a third one said. And they got used to each other. And then they got comfortable around each other. And then they said, once they warmed up to each other, the conversation actually became quite comical. One would claim, I'm the Messiah, the Son of God. I was sent here to save the earth. Rokiak would say, how do you know? And they would say, God told me. And then one of the other people in the room would say, I didn't tell you any such thing. Now we laugh and we say, what human being would be crazy enough to think that they're a God? I have one for you. Turn to the gospel of John chapter 10, verse 22. It says, then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter And Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. And the Jews who were there gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Just come out and tell us. Now, they weren't looking for anyone to replace God. They were looking for the last um, great warrior, the last great military hero that basically was going to lead an insurrection against the Romans. That's what a Messiah was. Lead the insurrection, kick the Romans out, reinstitute Jewish law throughout the borders of the country. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you didn't believe me. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you're not my sheep. In other words, I didn't have to say anything. Just look at what I'm doing. And you know that No ordinary person could actually raise people from the dead or walk on water or multiply food and feed thousands of people. Like, why don't you just look at what I did? I don't have to say anything. Well, they, I love how the gospel of John at the beginning says, that which we have heard from the beginning, which we have seen with our eyes, that which we have looked at and touched with our hands, this is what we proclaim to you. In other words, For those of you who are skeptics, for those of you who are a part of our community, but you are looking in sort of from the outside because you're not really convinced of this whole Jesus thing, you need to understand that what we believe about Jesus is tangible. It it, it has skin on it. It was seen. It was heard. You've never met Abraham Lincoln. How do you know Abraham Lincoln exists? You trust the people that were there, the eyewitnesses. Same thing with Jesus. Well, the Jewish leaders were like, quit being elusive and tell us who you are. And then Jesus said, 
I give them my sheep eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all of them. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. And there was a loud gasp and they looked around at each other and they're like, oh my gosh, this guy didn't just confess to being the Messiah. This guy, this insane, crazy person just confessed to being God. And they all go and they pick up rocks. Why? Because the Old Testament commanded them. Leviticus 24, 16, anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone them. Light them up with rocks, claiming to be God is blasphemy. So Jesus looks at them and says this. I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And they shot back, hey, idiot, you know. You know what we're about to stone you for. We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claimed to be God. We're starting a new series today called Jesus Changes Everything, and we're looking at snippets in the Gospel of John that illuminate the fact that Jesus is not someone that lived just 2,000 years ago. Jesus is not someone who was just God 2,000 years ago. Jesus is living today. He's God today, and he can change everything if you let him. Jesus can make me feel better on a Sunday morning for a little bit. He can sort of kind of be there for the important markers in my life. Childbirth, time in the hospital for sickness, marriage ceremony, funerals. But deep down, that's about all that people think Jesus can do today. He lived back then, but today, 2020, nah. Can I tell you a story? First job I had after seminary, I was a pastor at a large church, and I did small groups. And the first group that I started was a sexual abuse support group. I'd never been a part of a church that did this before. And I stood up in church, and I said, listen, uh, we're going to do the support group. It's going to be led by a trained therapist, and I'm the coordinator, and I want you to let, I want to let you know that if you let me know that you want to be a part of this group, I will never tell anyone what you share with me. And that's the truth. I've never told anyone. Anyone that was ever in that group. Part of what I do as a pastor is I keep secrets for a living. Makes people feel safe. And so I lost count of the number of women that came up to me and said, what I'm about to tell you, I have never told another person. I want you to write this down. Jesus can't heal what Jesus can't touch. If we're like, I want to feel good just on a Sunday morning, but I don't want you touching anything else in my life, my debt, my drinking problem. Jesus can't heal, but Jesus, you won't let him touch. You have to let him in. I want to feel good on Sunday morning, but I don't want you messing with my job or my marriage, or the situation going on with one of my kids. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? You say you believe in me, but after you leave the assembly with other disciples of Jesus, you act the exact same way as your non-Christian friends do. Like, 
I told you I'm with you, but you handle your anxiety the exact same way your non-Christian friends do. I told you I'm with you, but you won't let me in to help in your relationships. The early Christians used this phrase that they actually picked off, um, uh, ripped off from the Romans. And it was a political statement. It was a creed that basically said, Caesar is Lord. Lord was a political term. It was the Greek word kurios. And it meant omnipotent ruler. It was the one overall. It was the sole supreme authority. And in the ancient world, in Rome, Caesar was curios. He was Lord. In fact, the Apostle Paul uses this exact word in Philippians chapter 2, where he says, God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Not some, all knees will bow before in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every creature, angels, everything are going to bow to Jesus. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is curious. He's the Lord. That was a subversive political statement. But it was also a personal confession. When we make Jesus our Lord, or around here we talk about Jesus being our leader in 21st century English language, We mean we're going to let Jesus into every corner of our lives. And that's what this series is going to be about. This series is going to be about transformation, about change. I want you to think for a second. What are the one or two, three things that if those things were changed, if you could leave that big bag that you've been pulling behind you all of these years, and you just unpacked it and got rid of the weights that were in that bag, would you let them? Suddenly, if Jesus is Lord, my sexuality is a Jesus issue. Some of you struggle with homosexual feelings. And you're like, I can't talk about that at church. Absolutely, you can talk about this at church. My gender identity is a Jesus issue. You're like, I can't talk about that at church. Not not now. Of course you can talk about this at church. How I spend my money is a Jesus issue. Feeling stuck in my marriage, that's a Jesus issue. Hating one of my kids, hating my job, hating myself, hating other people, feeling stuck, It's a Jesus issue. Where I live, the friends I pick, my career, that's a Jesus issue. My past, my present, my future, everything is a Jesus issue. And Jesus changes everything when Jesus becomes our Lord. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for this glimpse we have been given into your identity in the Gospel of John. And God, as we begin to unpack this together as a community, we pray that you would help us to understand the depth to which you do not judge us. You do not condemn us. Our sin, our own thoughts condemn us. But you look at us us with love and you want to empower us to change, to be better, to be different, to be holy, to be like you. And so we pray, God, that as we move forward in this, that your spirit would lead us and guide us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. 
For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.